Gentlemen, start your engines. Uh, you tell me that about. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, welcome to our guest segment. This is going to be a lot of fun. You know, I do appearances on the radio in Cleveland, so if you're somebody that knows me from the Moody radio station in Cleveland, you'll also know our guest tonight because what happens many times when you are a guest on radio is you hear the people before you. So when you're on hold, you're hearing people, you know, you're hearing the other segments and a segment that I tend to always seem to bump up against uh, frequently is a marriage segment. Uh, and Joe and Cindy Farini are on the radio in Cleveland and they talk about marriage issues They've been married for decades. They have a book, and I'm going to hold it up right now if you're watching on one of our video streams. The book is Love Always. And I had an opportunity to meet them in person because they were visiting Florida. And we went out to dinner a little over a week ago in St. Augustine. I got to meet their their wonderful son as well. And I said, hey, we got to have you on the show to talk about marriage. So Joe and Cindy Farini, good to have you with us. Well, thank you. Good and, to be here. And happy birthday. Thank you. It is my birthday. And you're not going to believe where I <laughs> where I ate dinner on Friday night. Oh, I bet I do know, but I forget the name of it. I, it's a different name, but where we all I ate dinner. it at the same place uh, that we ate at. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I sat at the same table, oh, oddly enough. I, but I, I was in jo- <laughs> I was in Joey's seat. So just to because it was free. Oh. It was freezing. Oh. And I, I, I thought I want that lentil yeah. soup, so I wanted to go to uh, uh, Goffrey and Goods, uh, and I want that lentil soup. So I went in there and I got the soup, I got the salad. Same thing I had when I was with you guys, and I ended up uh, sitting at the same table. And but it was it was a great dinner, uh, and that's uh, a great little great. place that nobody knows about. It seems like in uh, St. Augustine, Goffrey and Goods, uh, my favorite little place on Charlotte Street in St. Augustine. Okay, so tonight's big question. I've got all these questions people have posted on Facebook and I'll just throw it out there. Whenever I interview two people, I don't do the thing where I'll like ask you by name each. I just assume you guys have been married for decades. You can figure out who's going to answer the question. So I'm going to just throw the questions out there. And the big question is why are Christians divorcing at the same rate as non-Christians? And I want to give some context to this because when you make marriage vows to me, that was like the scariest moment of my life. Honestly, as much as I was in love with my wife, wanted to marry her, had zero doubt that she was the person I wanted to marry. I still was standing in a church making this promise for life, for life that I was going to be with this person. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't seem Mm -hmm. like that means anything anymore. And so we look at the divorce rate. 
Christians are divorcing at the same rate as non-Christians. And I just wonder why that is. Well, first of all, I'm going to just start and say that um, I was able to take a look at your Facebook page and see you asking your followers to uh, sort of chime in. And they really had some great comments. A few of them had some great questions. And maybe if we don't get to all of them today, we certainly can do it another time. But, you know, I remember when Joe and I stood, as you just described, saying our vows together, I can tell you, a hundred percent. I remember there standing there as a 25 year old saying this to myself. We will never have anything for worse. It will only be better. We will never be poor. We'll always be rich. We will never have sickness. We will always have health. And when I look back and think about that, I think how naive was I? And I think maybe, you know, sort of like having children and you have your baby and it's born and it's just so cute and you just love that baby right away. And then no matter what they grow up to be, you still love them. I suppose that's how it is when we say our vows. We're so naive, but we just love each other so much that we are willing to commit to those things that we are are saying to one another. And yet there isn't a marriage that I know that has not endured some kind of hardship or challenge or frustration. And so the question I think kind of comes down to, you know, what what's the fault here? What's going on? And I'm going to let Joe take a minute here and just share a little bit about some of the statistical things that we found. And then let's talk about um, some of the comments even that were on your Facebook page. But I think the realities of why Christian marriages are not working. Yeah, everybody's right. got Great all question. these. Everyone has all these theories, and we'll get to those in a minute. I'm going to let uh, uh, Joe give us all the statistics and everything. But in particular, um, the long-term marriages are the ones that I think most people are are so shocked to hear, like, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and people are getting divorced, and you think to yourself, right. man, you've been together that long. Why would you give that up? It's just, it's that's the biggest, I think, shocker of all. But, uh, Joe, give us your statistics. Joe is, by the way, a retired dentist, which is why he and his family have such incredible, beautiful smiles. I, I was teasing your daughter when I met her. When I met Kathleen, I said, wow, you have such a beautiful smile. Is your dad a dentist? And she said, yes. But that was kind of one of my dad jokes, but it actually turned out to be that her dad was a dentist. So, yeah, in any case, Joe, give us the numbers. Sure. Well, years ago, you know, we used to be able to stand up in front of people and say that, you know, the divorce rate was just as much for Christians as it was for non-Christians. But then as we found and when, when some more in-depth research was done, that they found really the divorce rate for Christians was actually much lower than that. Uh, it, 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 the divorce rate, the overall divorce rate is probably around the 33% rate. So it's not 50%. And, uh, and so I think what we need to focus on is not so much because I can give you like several different numbers I can give you, but that's not as important as trying to make sure that we understand how not to get a divorce. And, uh, so the numbers fluctuate, fluctuate, but, uh, it's not what we used to think it was. And I think it comes down to whether or not you're an active, uh, active in your church or you're not active, you're a committed lifestyle Christian or you're not committed, but you fall under this category of Christian. And that's where it starts to get kind of fuzzy. So I, instead of getting lost in the woods here amongst all the trees, 
it probably would be wise to just to say that the divorce rate for those who are totally committed Christians is not nearly as high as we once thought it was at 50%. So for what it's worth. And yeah, and Jim, this, this is where I think some of the comments of your listeners was really important because some of the things that they shared are exactly in line with what Joe said, and that is that if you are a committed Christian who is following after Jesus and really seeking to do what he teaches and what the Bible teaches, then you are likely to have a very good marriage. The problem is we aren't doing that. Yeah. And the problem is that that's, again, when we make journal statements like that, we always get that trouble, don't we? Uh, because, you know, there are going to be times when things just kind of fall apart. And in fact, just this, this evening, a couple hours ago, uh, Cindy shared with me a couple couples that from our church, we thought were like these stable couples and they were going to divorce. And, uh, and so, you know, for me, I'm, I'm always going to be looking at the diagnosis when what caused that problem to take place. And so each case has to be tucked taken on individually right so there isn't much going to be gained by making general statements except to say that thankfully when we look at uh really those who do uh surveys for a living it's not as bad as we once thought it was but you know what in our opinion one divorce is is more than that's right than that should be do you think that that do you think that's the stigma of divorce has gone away because there was even a time for people that aren't familiar with this like even if you were a hollywood actor and you got divorced you could lose your career in hollywood over a divorce now that of course went away like in the 50s when you started, you know, seeing multiple marriages, people like, you know, Elizabeth Taylor, Frank Sinatra, that sort of thing. It sort of went away. But there was a time when our entire culture, not just the Christian community, looked down on divorce. And now divorce is almost like it's like selling your house. It's like buying a new car, changing jobs. It's not really considered taboo anymore, is it? No. no, I think you're right. I think that whole stigma has changed. And I do remember as a little girl, what you just described, thinking when someone was getting divorced, it was very unusual and really pretty sad. And and it was something that was not the norm. Um, someone on your Facebook page also shared, so people can go back to your Facebook page and scroll back a little bit to the question that you asked, which was, you know, why has the divorce rate for people, why has it doubled between 1990 and 2010? They could look for that post. But one of your um, uh, over f- that, that was for said, people, people over 50, it doubled, which I thought yes, was, in partic- was in particular very interesting that people over 50 are, because normally once you get to be in your 50s, you're like thinking retirement and grandkids and, you know, sunsets yeah. together, but yet that's not happening. In fact, right. AARP, the magazine does a lot of writing about like what to do when you're <laughs> divorcing, when you're retiring, it's kind of a nutty thing to think about, exactly. but that's what's happening. Exactly. And, and that, that is a, that is one huge point, And I, and I can address that too in a moment. But one thing I would tell your listeners, if they're on your Facebook page or if they're not, go like your Facebook page. You can give more information about that. But one of your um, followers 
put on a link, and Joe and I watched that this evening, and one of the comments by this preacher, he said, when it's no longer about God, you can justify anything. That is what I think we're doing. I think he nailed it in that one statement, and that, you know, it's no longer a holy institution. And we we get to this stage then to, to get to your point about being over 50, I think if you're not really happy in your marriage, and I think there's there's disappointment in marriage, I think there's discouragement in marriage, there's also destruction and devastation in marriage. Those are all very different things. If someone is being abused, um, that is a whole different thing than you're just disappointed because certain things didn't turn out the way that you had hoped. You know, those are two different things. But I really feel like um, we we look at this and we say, gosh, you know, we're older in our marriage. I think a lot of people just say, you know what, I'm not getting out of this marriage what I thought I would. The kids are gone. I stick, stuck it out for the kids. I want to go have some fun. I want to go whatever, see life. And I do see some people having that attitude of just like, I don't want to be in this for the next 25 years or 30 years and be miserable. I'm not saying that's right, but those are people who are going to be, as we just said, justifying when God is no longer the center and the reason for your your marriage. And just to jump in here uh, real quickly to let people know, I'm opening up the phone lines for people that would like to call in. Uh, The number is on your screen. If you're watching on the video feed, I just put the phone number up. If you're listening on one of our audio streams, write down the number 646-716-4041. Maybe you disagree with what we're saying tonight, or you have a question or your own scenario, 646-716-4041, and we'll take calls before we take emails and a lot of emails coming in and a lot more posts on Facebook and uh, Joe continue on, sir. Sure. Yeah. I think uh, again, as we step back far enough, we start to look and, and observe what is it that causes the breakdown of these marriages to take place, whether it's after a year, uh, 10 years or 50 years is that what begins to happen is people begin to look at their marriage as a contractual type of relationship rather than a covenant relationship. And Cindy alluded to that, that you know, people who are in this contractual relationship type mode of thinking as it relates to their marriage, they, they believe that you know the reason they came together was to make each other happy. But those who stay in a covenant type relationship, that is those who keep those, those vows alive and active in their marriage, come to realize that, and, and always realize that their marriage was there to make them holy and not to make them happy. Hmm. You know, God brought them together for his purpose. And we realize that one of the primary purposes for marriage is that we are to be mirroring God's image in our marriage relationship. When people see us, they should be seeing attributes of God being reflected in our day-to-day married lives. And so, again, where the wheels start falling off the, the, the marriage wagon there is, is that we begin to have a shift in taking our eyes off of God, as Cindy just alluded to, and begin to put it upon ourselves. And, and you begin at that point to fall into the deep troubles of developing some unrealistic expectations of your spouse, unrealistic expectations that have been um, 
put upon us and our thinking by, you know, modern day psychiatrists and psychologists and the pop, you know, thing what's happening these days, whatever that might be. Uh, but we need to go back to uh, the Word of God, the Bible. It, that must remain the standard to which we hold each other in our marriage relationships. And if we lose sight of that, uh, Jim, again, we, we start to lose the purpose as to why we got married in the first place, why we took those marriage vows. And so I, I think we need to renew those marriage vows on a regular basis and, uh, and and not fall into the trap of what our culture says we should be doing. One comment here on Facebook, somebody says uh, people are getting divorced because the children are gone. And I hear this a lot where the children leave, so they go off to college and maybe they'll come back home for a while. But somewhere around 25 or 30, hopefully, <laughs> they're on their own. They've left. Uh, how do you respond to that issue the empty nest scenario where you have two people who spent a lion's share of their life with children around and now the children are gone and now they're looking at each other as strangers like who in the world are you and it's just the two of them now in the house that's a big adjustment isn't it I, I, yeah and i think you nailed it they look at each other and they say like who are you i remember someone that i knew in my life that that exact scenario happened to them. She was explaining how, um, and if you, and if you knew if this couple in our community, you would have thought for sure they were, you know, a tight couple and they loved each other and life was really good. But what happened was the kids were kind of getting older and running off with their friends and you're not home as much. And and I think what happens is we we don't invest in a day to day way in our marriages because we're investing in the children or our jobs or our hobbies, uh, you know, and those kinds of things. If we stop investing in our marriage, it's going to show up eventually. It's kind of like not taking care of your teeth. If you don't take care of your teeth, eventually there's going to be something down the road that needs to be fixed. And sometimes, sometimes it's uh, too far to be fixed. And so I don't always think that's true in marriage. I think especially if you want your marriage to work, I think there's things that both people can do. But it's very important that it's both people, not just one person right. making all the efforts to make the to make the marriage work. But I do think when the children start to leave, uh, that's kind of an easy, convenient time to start saying, wow, things aren't looking so good around here. But let me also say that, you know, we think how divorce um, affects younger children but I have a friend whose parents divorced when she was in college, and it really greatly affected her. And so I feel that um, that continues to happen. I don't think just because the, the kids are grown up that they have no effect of it. I think that they they do have an effect. So, And let me just take one step back, too, and say this difference between the contract relationship versus the covenant relationship Jim, I could send that to you, or if people want to look on our website, they can find it. Yeah, give us um, your website. Family. It's just if you just go to Cindy Farini, it's Cindy with an I, Cindy Farini, and uh, the last name is F E R R I N I. It'll pop right up. But I'll I will send you the link so that maybe you could put it. Uh, they could easily find it. Yeah, that way. we'll put it in the description and also. Yeah. That'd be great. And and then people can kind of take a look at it and really see what does that mean for their own relationship. And um, and it is from family life. We, we take no credit for writing it, only sharing it. <laughs> now, let me ask, the, I'll throw this out to, to either one of you. 
how do you decide if a relationship is abusive? For example, let's say that, uh, you know, I, I do all the cooking in my house, but let's just say that for five nights in a row, I serve a bad meal, uh, just not edible. And all of a sudden that's, is that abuse? Where is a, who decides what is abuse mm. and how do you determine if, because that's a good catch all phrase. I mean, obviously if someone's putting their physical hands on their spouse, there's a physical yeah. mark left. That's obvious. But if it's not that, if it's just that things aren't going well, and then one person claims abuse because they're not happy in the marriage, they don't feel like they're being treated well enough, and they put the, the label abuse, I'm seeing that a lot and hearing that a lot, that you could just claim sure. abuse. Um, it's almost like you need a third party to step in and say, okay, that's not abuse. Uh, five bad meals in a row right. is, is not good, but that's not abuse <laughs> or, or he didn't let the dog out in the middle of the night and you had to do it and you lost the sleep and it was his turn or he didn't take the car in to get fixed or he, you guys got into an argument about something stupid. That's not abuse. It's a disagreement. Where's that line as to what is abuse? Cause when you say emotional abuse, now it's sort of up there, you know, in the air, you don't really know what counts or doesn't count to be abuse because nobody should stay mm -hmm. in an abusive marriage but then who defines mm -hmm. what that is sure well i would say um the things that you described five dinners in a row that didn't turn out right not letting the dog out to me that's part of the for better or worse you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, okay and those are those are my dumb examples <laughs> Yeah, and but but you know what? Those are the kinds of things that if the other if if you've made five bad dinners in a row, and maybe the the spouse says, okay, you know what? I've had it. I am not going to be home for dinner anymore. I mean, you see this kind of retaliation, right. and that is not that is not what we're talking about. That's dis disappointment or discouragement. But I think you can look at abuse as when it's destructive. But let me give you a quote by Leslie Vernick, and this quote really has changed the way that Joe and I, uh, when we talk with couples who are married, it really has changed a lot of our what we say and a lot of what we listen to as well. But Leslie Vernick says, and I'm going to uh, say the words louder that I want to emphasize, okay? A healthy relationship is mutually caring, mutually honest, and mutually respectful. And you can remember that by caring is C and then honest H are respectful like Christmas. Okay, I'm going to read it again. A healthy relationship is mutually caring, mutually honest, and mutually respectful. And I think this one sentence has changed not only in our marriage, how we react and respond to one another, but also how we mentor other people, but also in our circle of friends and in our circle of family. If we don't have people who mutually care about us or are mutually honest or respectful, you still can have relationship with them, but it's not healthy. And that's what I think we want for our marriage to be. We want for our marriage to be healthy. But you address the question initially as, like, what is abuse? And I, I think if you don't have a mutuality in your marriage, it could lead to an emotionally abusive marriage. Mm -hmm. That I think I would want to have addressed by someone who is a counselor as opposed to 
uh, Joe and I, who would be more mentors or speakers on marriage and helping people get to the next step. Um, a counselor, I think, would be much more valuable. And I think a counselor, if, if, if you're the one who's someone's, you know, your spouse is saying you're abusing me and you're like, what? You could go to a counselor, too, and get some help, too, because you might need to understand how to, um, if you will, how, how to accommodate the kinds of things that are being thrown at you that you just say, this cannot possibly be abuse. Right. Now, now uh, I'll throw this out to either of you. How do you argue in a marriage without it can being considered like, okay, so let's come up with another crazy example. Let's say that uh, tomorrow is garbage day, which it is. And I already got the garbage cans out to the street. <laughs> so let, let's say that you have a scenario in a marriage where uh, let's say I'm responsible for the garbage day and I keep missing the garbage day. And a spouse says, look, it's garbage day. You need to do it. And it's like, I'll do it later. But you forgot the last time. Don't worry, I'll do it. And then I miss it again. So someone is repeatedly doing something that's causing an issue in the marriage. They're not changing that behavior. And now there's disagreement. There's an argument about that issue. Mm-hmm. How do you argue well, a- in a marriage without it being considered like abusive or going too far? I mean, if you're saying, look, you did not do the garbage and it was, you missed it again. And now we've got garbage piling up around the side of the house. Uh, how do you resolve those kind of things? Or do you just say, oh, you know what? Don't sweat the little stuff. So what? We've got three weeks of garbage piling up. That's no problem. It's not worth putting our marriage on the line for. How do you decide what's worth arguing over and how do you do that and not destroy the relationship when there is a disagreement? Well, first of all, I think when Joe and I go through our day, I did this one time and I, I went through a day and I thought, I wonder how many arguments we could have if I (laughs) kept saying how unhappy I was or why didn't you do this? And I'm telling you what, almost every conversation we had, I could see that we could have had an argument. Now, I'm not saying he was wrong about something. We just think differently. In your garbage example, I would say, kind of like I would do with a, with a kid, and I'm not saying treat your spouse like a child, but <laughs> it could be just simple to say, say, hey, I'm just going to put a note here on the door or, or on your mirror or, you know, someplace. Would that, be a, would that be a good thing for me to do to remind you to take out the garbage? <laughs> and I probably would say, or would, you, or would you like me to do it? Now, I don't want to have every responsibility, but if I'm capable and able to do it, and if Joe doesn't like that, for instance, I'm not really big on doing insurance, but Joe is faithful to it, but then I do all the bills, and I love doing that. I love balancing at the end of the day, you know, and end of the month. I love it. So we've kind of taken upon each other whatever chores work for us, but I would say you said it, you know, don't sweat the small stuff, but instead of arguing about it, maybe saying, you know, would you like me to do that? And maybe instead, would you mind doing this for me? And then I think it becomes, you know, an, a matter of kindness. If someone's doing it on purpose, well, that's just mean spirited. That's right. Not good. So, so what you're saying is you have the disagreement and then you say, look, what's, what's the solution here? So if the, if the, if the discussion is not like blaming back and forth and tempers are flying because then it's like, well, you didn't take out the garbage. And then my defense to that is, well, Hey, you didn't do the dishes 
the other day. So, and then we start both coming up with lists of what they didn't do and I didn't do and to see who kind of wins instead of focusing on just that one issue and trying to come up with a solution for it. But, you know, you're so right about in marriage, you never know what's going to happen from one day to the next. And it seems like sometimes people get into these uh, debates and arguments over small things when their life is going really well, because you know, when like one person's out of a job and money's tight or somebody's got a medical crisis in the household, it seems like everybody kind of, you know, bands together when there's a problem, it's kind of like all of, you know, our little family up against the world. But then when everything's going well and there's money in the bank and nobody's sick and everything seems to be on track, that's when there's time for people to look at and say, well, you know what, maybe I'm not fulfilled enough, you know, maybe I'm not getting <laughs> enough from this person. And you seem to have that idle time to start thinking that way. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy. I think we easily default to a negative, even just for instance, if you say to somebody, so how was the wedding that you went to last weekend? It's so easy to say, oh, my goodness, it was so nice. But, you know, I didn't like that they did this particular <laughs> thing. And I think that's how it is in marriage. Sometimes yeah. we default to, you know, so yeah, true. you know, he's a good guy, but it really drives me crazy, that blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and guess what? no matter who you marry, you're going to have certain things that drive you crazy about each other. But I always like to say, you know, he drives me crazy, but I'm crazy about him. So I'm going to live with it. You know what I mean? And so we have to just, just it's funny you say say that because my, my wife had an old boyfriend who messaged her on, this was a couple of years ago, messaged her on Facebook. And it was just after her high school reunion where she saw this, this guy that she hadn't seen in decades. And he, he sent her a message on Facebook and it was something like this. It was like, well, your husband seems nice. Like he seems like he's a nice guy. It was almost like implied there was like, like, he's not really a nice guy. Tell me all the terrible things about him, which yeah. it almost seemed like, but that's exactly. so, that's so true. How, what you said about when, how was the wedding? Oh, you know, I liked it. Oh, everything was purple. I couldn't handle. So it was so much purple. I couldn't deal with it. <laughs> Why do we do that? That's, that's so much the case as we close it out. I would like you guys to take a couple minutes and, and share your own testimony. Um, and I, I want you to tell us about, uh, if you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about, you know, about uh, Joey and, 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 and that part of your life, because what a wonderful young man and, and how you have been able to stay strong in your marriage, despite uh, that issue that you've had to face, which was something you had not planned for. And that's really such an important part of your book. And I'm going to hold it up again on the video stream for those watching on the video love always in the book I'm assuming is available on Amazon and all the normal places. Is that right? Yes. And much discounted on cindyferini.com. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, tell us a little bit about your testimony as we close it out. Take a few minutes and do that. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask Joe if he would start, just take a quick moment and say, when we were deciding about getting married, kind of how the Lord, you, you're not, you don't know where I'm going with that. Okay. So I'll do it then. <laughs> so when we were praying about getting married, um, 
you know, we both cared about one another. We loved one another, but we really wanted to be sure right. that this was God's will for us. And so as we prayed about it, I don't want to go into all the details. It would take too long, but he clearly, clearly showed us that we were to marry. And because of that, I think we really have this clarity that this is for life. This is, this is not like till we aren't happy or whatever anymore. This is for life. And so, um, Thankfully, you know, the first two years of our marriage really was pretty easy. Uh, certainly had, we had the ups and downs. Most people have disagreements, who does what, uh, things we don't like, uh, learning how to live with another person um, all the time and all those sorts of things. But when, when we got the guy, we had Joey, um, he was born in 1981, so he just turned 40. Um, but when we had our son, you know, he just, I mean, honestly, he looked like a perfect baby. And that's not just two parents, you know, bragging about their kid. He really was a beautiful baby. But when the milestones were coming, he was not hitting those milestones. So fast forward to his diagnosis and his age now. He's 40. He has cerebral palsy, but he is mobile. Um, he has seizures, epilepsy. Um, mentally challenged and very low verbal skills. Uh, he's six foot four. I sometimes consider that a disability because, you know, we can't just, uh, he's just a big guy. You know, he's not heavy, but he's just a big guy. He was so but pleasant. You know, he was so pleasant to be around. I have to tell you, I just, his he, whole, he just, I, I just felt so good being around him. He just has a presence. I have well, to tell he you. He is a very patient. Yes. And he's patient and quiet. And, you know, he at 12 years old, he wasn't like that. You know, it took training. It took time. And, you know, there's still things we work on with certain manners that he has that we try to help him to be, you know, all he can be. Um, he will always be with us. Um, and at some point when we're no longer here, both of our daughters, they're just wonderful young ladies, um, will divide the care that Joey needs between them. And they have wonderful husbands who are as willing as the girls are. So the the point of that, I think, is just that, you know, marriage is going to throw you challenges. You know, one challenge might be you can't keep a job. Another challenge might be you have a special needs child. And there's there's so many different things. I'm going to just see if Joe wants to wrap anything up since I talked so much yeah. um, to, to just, you know, kind of close us out. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think uh, looking at uh, my son, I can tell you, as I think I shared with you last week, Jim, was that uh, he's my best buddy. And uh, I love my son. And, uh, but, you know, it, it was difficult early on to, to, to see him and recognize him as a blessing from God and to see how this might be something that would, that God would use to, to make us closer together. And, uh, but we learned uh, that, uh, you know, as we began to uh, work together as a team uh, and serving him and meeting his needs, and we, I began to realize as a husband, uh, it was easy for me to escape what the needs of my son were because I just went to work. Uh, and I came home, and I realized my wife was really, you know, she had a really rough day. And it eventually took some time to, for me to realize that if I'm going to be the husband, that I needed to be for my wife in order to help take care of my son. I needed to step up and be there for her and be there for my son. And, uh, and that's just a decision that you make, you know, and, but that didn't just happen. It, 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 
I realized that I, if I became a better student of my wife, if I began to be, have a better understanding of the needs that exist in our lives from each other's perspectives, uh, that changed everything for us. And, and I, so I think it's so important that we are uh, desiring to serve each other and, and love each other I'm with, uh, with what would be the word without any failing of, and, and desiring to, to uh, be with one another. Uh, this, this is, you know, for better or worse, I mean, it's just that, you know, I mean, there were times and I, I can, I'm sure Cindy wouldn't mind me sharing that, that, you know, there were times when we had some really rough times in our marriage. And I mean, there were times that we thought we lost our son a few times. I mean, I, I I've had to do CPR in my son because I thought we lost him. Huh. And uh, we've had to take him to the hospital several times because we thought he had spinal meningitis. And it just, I mean, it just went on and on. And, uh, but each time we had to, to look at each other when, even when one says, I can't do this anymore, it, it was just seemed like that was the exact same time when the other one would say, well, let's just give it to the morning. Let's just stay together. And, uh, and, you know, the morning came and it just seemed better. And so it's just a matter of uh, making a commitment to one another. And that's, again, that's why we really believe those, those, recommitment of one's vows are, are just so very important because quite honestly, there's going to be times when, you know, we're, we're not going to be the healthy ones. And, uh, and so I won't go into details with that for ourselves personally, but, uh, you know, to this day, Joey is, uh, is an amazing young man. And, uh, but it wasn't always looked upon as, as a gift from God, but he truly is. He truly is. And so, uh, but because of Joey, I think that has made us stronger as a husband and wife. Mm -hmm. For sure. And, you know, and, uh, I, I, I love, I love your story and it just really is exhibit a, you know, all things work together for good uh, to those that love God, those that are called mm -hmm. according to his purpose. And we can use any of these things in our life that we might, the world might look at as a setback or something that wasn't perfect that happened and we can embrace that and let God use that and that, let that be part of our testimony and let that be a blessing uh, to us. And that's exactly, you know, what you have done in your life and uh, just an incredible example of that. And uh, again, the website is Cindy We'll put that in the uh, description. And just so you guys know what to expect, we have about several thousand people listen live with us right now, but then multiples of that, are through the downloads. So that'll be happening over the coming days as well. And we thank you so much for being here. Wonderful people. And, and I, I want people to get your book, love always. And it's a L L W a Y S. So there's that little plan words, love always. Again, I'm holding that up on the video monitor for those watching on one of our video feeds. God bless guys. It was so great to meet you in person and we'll definitely have you, you back here and there throughout the year. Thank you so much. God bless. That's great. All right, you too. Take care. What wonderful people. And uh, I met their son, wonderful young man. And uh, it just, just when you're around people like this, they just, they're just so filled with God, just such spirit filled people. It's just wonderful to be able to meet people like this and to hear their story and their testimony and uh, why there is hope for just about everybody, I think, uh, 
in, in marriage, if two people are willing to try to work things out, there should be an answer. There should be a path to restoration and reconciliation. Thanks so much for being with us. I've got a little bit of a cold tonight. I hope it came across all right. Thanks for watching and listening. And remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next time. Song, everybody.